Hey, fitness enthusiasts, welcome to the Fitness Snobs Podcast, where we dive deep into the world of fitness, health, and performance. I'm your host, Matt Flynn. This isn't your average fitness talk. We explore the nitty gritty details that fitness enthusiasts crave, from sun exposure to gut health and everything in between. Subscribe now and join us on this journey of learning and curiosity. Share it with your fitness buddies and help us grow by subscribing, sharing, and leaving a review. Let's unravel the mysteries of exercise, one meticulous discussion at a time. I'm Matt Flynn, your guide to the art of progress. Welcome to the Fitness Snobs Podcast. We have Andrew on today and we kind of we talked before we hit the record button. We're going to be discussing two different topics. Um, first, we're going to talk about his his kind of Edmonton symposium around kind of education for trainers. Um, so let's just kick off with that to start. Do you want to kind of go into a little bit more details around that for us? Sure. So, got an event that we're going to do again here in 2024. So, you know, if trainers are interested, I'm a big believer and I have to earn people's, I have to show people value and earn your business with this sort of thing. So September 13th and 14th, myself and the owner of Evolve, John Chong. Now there are three Evolves down in Calgary now. And the plan is to grow more of them. And, and I'm a contractor at Evolve. Back in 2019, we started an event. Originally used to be called the Evolve uh, Canadian Strength Symposium. We've since changed that name. It sounds too much like Swiss, which is a strength and conditioning event. And I want to pivot it more into something that was career-based, you know, business, but, you know, more topics than that, nutrition, you name it, coaching, right? So renamed it the Evolve Strength Business and Coaching Conference. And last year, we had a bunch of good friends of mine, Luca Hosevar, Don Saladino, Kelsey and Dennis Heenan, Sam Spinelli, Lee Boyce, like big, big, long lineup of great people. Um, if anybody's ever done a PPSC course down in Calgary, my friend Logan Dubay does those. Logan was one of our speakers, so on and so forth. Is that the, uh, about a- sorry, is that, is that the pain-free performance? Yeah, seminar? that's pain-free performance. Yep. Okay. So, and... I got about, my, my goal is to probably bring about half of the speakers back. Some of them I've confirmed pending, like contingencies. Lee Boy should be back. Uh, Sam Spinelli should be back. Logan Dubay should be back. Luca Hosevar should be back. And I'm working through the rest of the list. I'm also hoping to bring in some new people. So like, this is early. Like, you're the first people are hearing about this, like on this episode. Um, I have confirmed my friend, Brad Dieter. Now, Brad Dieter is one of the owners of Macros Inc. We've got Macros Inc. coaches all over all over North America, but a lot of them are clustered in the Pacific Northwest. There's a bunch of Calgary, BC, um, you know, places like Washington State, right? There's, there's big clusters of them. Yep. So I'm excited about it. And I started traveling to these kind of events in the US in 2017. I went to a, an event called the Kansas City Fitness Summit. At that event, I actually met a good friend of mine, Jeff Aker, who is from Calgary, and he's been the provincial head of the NSCA for quite a while. He's about to hang up those reins. And Meeting him, I started going to the NSCA events that we've had in the province ever since, and I spoke at uh, at his in 2022. But these events changed my career. I met a lot of the industries who's who, the people I heard on podcasts, the the prominent T Nation writers, you know, a lot of these big figures. So I kept going to more and more of these events. I kept I made a ton of friends, a lot of incredible contacts. And it takes you out of the bubble. I came out of the world health system. So session model, which I actually still think in-person training is a goldmine and people are in too much of a rush to get online exclusively. 
especially like brand new trainers. I, mm-hmm. I think it's really important you learn the gain the experience and learn the skills of actually being an on the floor trainer for a long time. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of those people. I hate the gatekeeping of like, oh, you need to spend a minimum of five years training in person before you've earned the right to go online. That's rubbish too. Like that's not helping anybody because <clears throat> the modern reality is online is part of the experience. So I think you learn those skills concurrently. I just think you're going to be a better online coach if you're also a skilled and experienced in-person coach. And that's how I like to put it. Mm-hmm. So these events changed my life. I'm not, I wouldn't have gotten the opportunity to write for T Nation, Men's Health, Muscle Fitness Magazine, uh, Barbend, Generation Iron, et cetera. Uh, personal trainer development center. If I hadn't met a lot of the people I met, I met Jonathan Goodman in 2018. He's become a very good friend of mine. He is one of my speakers at my event and so on and so forth. And it, you're exposed to people who are doing really cool things. It breaks you outside of this bubble, this little rigid box of thinking that you're taught coming out of that commercial gym model. And it can inspire you to start creating long-form content, building various forms of media. I think a lot of trainers just put their heads down, work in their business, and that can be amazing. That can really serve you. And if you're great at it, referral business will serve you for life. But the reality is more and more of the industry is has an online presence and more and more of the consumer base are consuming fitness, health-related media online. And so they're going to be drawn to the more prevalent resources that are available in the online space. Some people, in-person training is always going to be a great thing. And quite frankly, the online stuff, the people who gravitate to online, a lot of them will probably start to be more and more drawn to, you know, really good apps and algorithms. And I mean, the AI stuff, as that stuff comes online, that's going to actually put more pressure on the online coach than it necessarily will on the in-person coach. Mm -hmm. And in order to be a really great in-person online coach and in-person coach, you still have to lean hard into the relationship. You're not going to be able to just, here's your program, here's your numbers, blah, blah, blah. They're going to get that very, very cheaply from algorithms. I mean, the, the Renaissance periodization templates and now the app, that stuff, or or carbon diet app or macro factor or any like any of these other things, they're going to do a really good job of giving you your base numbers. And yeah, those, those are program, crushing it. They're crushing it. And the, the training programs are going to get better and better and better as they have more data to work through to figure out these, these patterns and they have more of your data and they'll be able to create programs and adjust as well, if not better than, than in-person or than coaches will. And yeah. some coaches are going to push back against that, but you give these machine learning systems enough data and they get advanced enough and they'll absolutely wipe the floor with the human ability to do that. Mm-hmm. So what really matters is the relationship, the interpersonal experience, which you can recreate online. Now I'm drifting a bit, but these are the kind of things that I want coaches to spend more time thinking about instead of always playing to their strengths. All right, you know a ton about nutrition. You're going to go do another nutrition certification. You know a ton about training. You're going to go do another, you know, movement mechanics course. It's Mm -hmm. like, you guys need to learn about building your email list. You need to learn about how to do long form media. You have to learn about the career skills of this stuff. And more and more of these events are catering to this. I'll be speaking at another insider piece of info, uh, Luca Hosevar's uh, Vigor Fitness and Business Summit. And that's going to be in October. I think it's 10th through 12th. I'd have to double check those dates. I know it's on Luca's media. And that's a very prestigious event. I'm like, holy crap, I can't believe it. So that's exciting. And that's going to be another one of those events. I, uh, Depending on when this is aired, just in a Three weeks, I'll be speaking at Raise the Bar. So that's in Dallas, February 23rd and 24th. 
my friends Nick Lamb and Derek Mendoza, and they've done a really good event the last few years. That's really about career development, growing your coaching skills, growing your business skills. And these events also have a ton of networking element. So Mm -hmm. you you mentioned like Calgary and how I'm based in Edmonton. In last year, we, we didn't necessarily get a big turnout from Calgary. And I mean, that's a failure on my part to reach into that community and have those relationships and say, listen, We've got something that has a world-class lineup of speakers here. It's not a very long drive for you guys. I've driven out of Calgary for stuff before. and But I, I still have to earn that that support. Mm-hmm. And I just want that community to you know say, hey, listen, there's this incredible event going on. We got to go up to this. Mm-hmm. I feel like just people aren't aware of the event. That's, I, I wasn't aware that it was being held and evolved. So like, I imagine if we start spreading word, then... It's not like the events in the winter time either. It's kind of more like fall, so the roads shouldn't be an excuse. It's a two-hour drive. Like it just makes great sense. Like based on what you're talking about, around kind of um, obviously as a, a trainer first starting, you need to learn the X's and O's of training and nutrition. But then after that, it comes a point of more kind of more the interpersonal things, the business. How can you actually make personal training kind of or online training something that's actually a career that makes you enough money so you don't have to like grind yourself to death year after year. So um, I'm going to ask you kind of next, like how does a trainer that's coming to one of these events, how do they get the most out of the, of, out of the event? Because some people, they'll just show up. They will kind of just stay in their little bubble. They won't talk to anyone. They'll listen to the speakers, but then they'll just head straight back to where, where they came from. Um, in your opinion, how do we get the most out of these kind of conferences? By talking to people, by taking a look around and realizing that most of these people are on a similar journey. Some of them are going to be in a very similar place on that journey as you. Some of them may be a little further ahead or some of them may not be quite as far. And one of the things that I did when I, the first couple of events I went to in 2017 is I did the social side of stuff. You know, you go to the social events, you in between the speakers or at lunch, you know, you meet people, you connect with people as much as you can. Chances are there'll be a few people, you know, and then they will know some people and grabbing up people's social media because you go to one of these things, you meet a hundred people, you're and you don't do anything beyond that. You're going to probably forget most of those people. But if you scoop up back in 2017, it was less about Instagram, but it was more about adding everybody to Facebook. So I still have a ton of these friends and contacts. And at least two of these people I just met by chance became very good friends who later I found out they hosted events, Jeff Aker being one. And then as my media grew and built, they turned around and asked me to come speak at their event. Now, that wasn't my agenda, but it's like, okay, cool. If I missed those opportunities to connect, then down the line, I would have missed these unimaginable opportunities, which then opened the door to getting to speak at even bigger events, which led to some just unimaginable stuff. Mm-hmm. So meeting people, but also cementing those connections via social media, I think is a really valuable thing. And it's the best part. I... I struggle, my attention span struggles to sit down and do the entire two or even three days of note taking on all of the speeches. And I'm at some of these now where like some of my friends are speaking and it's like, all right, I, I've seen this presentation before. Still don't mind it, but sometimes it, it's to just catch an old friend who I, we happen to be in the same city. We maybe see each other once a year for lucky and to take that and that's 30 minutes of just getting outside the room and catching up and, and having some really quality time. It's not about missing out of the presentations. You get uh, Jonathan Goodman at my event. He came for the whole weekend. He's sitting down with everybody and he's making notes 
on all the pre- presentations, right? He's really immersed in it. And Martin Rooney at uh, an event last year, same thing, just sitting down and soaking it all up. You get these industry leaders who are still hungry to learn. Yeah. So you pick your spots and you figure out, all right, what do you want to learn? Like um, an event that I spoke at last year, but I will be attending this year. And I think it's incredible. Anybody that we were flying down to is uh, my friend Aram Gregorian's The Real Coaches Summit. It's in Vegas. It's every, everywhere has a direct flight for this thing. And this is March 11th and 12th. And Aram will have two rooms going and he'll have all, all the speakers will do multiple presentations. So you can kind of pick and choose. But you can like, go buffet style to what you want to go see. And mm-hmm. you'll have Joel Jameson probably talking about, I don't know if it's some heart rate variability stuff or longevity stuff, or, or maybe it's some conditioning work. And then uh, Jason Brown's going to be there. And no doubt he's going to talk about programming. And then uh, Susie Spurlock, I'm not sure what she'll, she'll probably talk about strength training through kind of like that physio lens. Mm-hmm. But who knows? You can pick and choose what you want. And then you can also get a lot of social time. And Aram kills it with the social event. So mm-hmm. the, I just get excited to even think about going to these things. And I suppose it's that enthusiasm that continues to have people want me to be a part of their events because they know I'll go, I'll spend the whole time there. I'll be immersed. I'll be interactive with people and it, and I'll promote the events. So therefore, like this is another side of it too. I think there, there's a breed of coaches now who are in a hurry to get on the stage. Whenever I announce that I'm having an event, I get messages from people I've never even had any interaction with or limited. And they're like, hey, you know, I want to talk to you about having me speak at your event. And I'm like, I'm really sorry, but, you know, I have a a lineup of people I have in mind. And, you know, any event organizer, first and foremost, has to put butts in seats. If you can get a Jonathan Goodman or Krista Scott Dixon or Luca Hosevar, it's like those people will get people to show up. So what I always want people to do is like, go be in the audience, meet the people. That's... That's where you'll get the real value out of. It might feel nice to crave being on the stage because then you think, well, that's validating. That's that's a status building, which is a terrible lens to look at it through. Mm-hmm. It's like, don't worry about that stuff. I went to these events for years, not even thinking about this. And then I had an invitation, which I tried to turn down. My buddy insisted. I, I went and did it. I liked it. I kept getting more invitations. And now it's very fulfilling and I really love it. But it's not through a lens of, ooh. You know, I, I want to build status, right? So just go be present in these events. You'll you'll have an incredible experience. Yeah, there's like there's a lot of tremendous coaches out there. And like you said, it's about putting butts in seats. So I think the best, probably the easiest way, way to get on stage, obviously that's not the end goal, but is to actually meet these people, kind of talk to them, learn them, build relationships, and then you're more than likely to get invited. Absolutely, yeah. And one more question, like, I feel like a lot of trainers are kind of uh, intimidated by kind of bigger names on Instagram, but in your experience, like how open are these people to speaking with just regular trainers, regular coaches? Most of the people that I've met who would be the recognizable names in the industry are incredibly down to earth. They're very, very nice. There are a few exceptions. And even then within the exceptions, it kind of depends. I'm not going to drop any names, but I found there's been a few people with sort of an insecure chip on their shoulder. Uh, there are definitely some people who had prominence before who have a bit of resentment because they've seen social, a lot of people kind of grow on social media and they feel like the industry's left them behind. You get those elements, mm-hmm. but you get people like, I'll use my pals, Luca Hosfar and Don Salvino as two great examples. They continue to, to do positive things for other people. They have great attitudes. 
you get Don. Don trains Hollywood superstars and pretty much turns down most of them now. He works at Ryan Reynolds, Blake Lively. <laughs> he's got a very successful online business. He's crushed. He's, you know, he owned a gym in Manhattan for 15 years. He's trained Mike Bloomberg and uh, I think it was Calvin Klein along with like, he started with Hugh Jackman for the, for the X-Men movies, right? Like, mm -hmm. But yet you'll get Don and you know, Don will go to an event. He'll spend the whole weekend there and he'll like just talk to someone. He'll like take a look at their website, jam on like, here's some things you can do. Mm -hmm. And he's just fun and he's really engaging. And those kind of people always have this abundance mindset and people just want to create opportunities for them. Luca continues to show up and just do so much to support other people. He's a maniac. He, he's a tireless work ethic. I get tired just trying to think about keeping up with him. <laughs> And, but if you get in front of one of these people at one of these events, they're very gracious. They're very engaged, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you get some people who even on their media are very clear about, you know, their boundaries around their personal time. They're a bit more introverted. You know, they're working on big projects. You get um, a Jonathan Goodman or a Molly Galbraith and they're, cause they're good examples of this. And when they're at these events, they're present and they're engaged, mm -hmm. right? they don't have a chip on their shoulder where they're too good to talk to anybody. Like I've, I've hung out with Lane Norton at a couple of events. We spoke at one back in late 2022 mm -hmm. and Lane is wild and fun to watch on his social media and he's blowing up, but Lane and I are just bouncing around at the social and he was just hanging out with everybody and he's really personable and he's really giving. So that's most of these people. It really is. Mm -hmm. and if you go in with this attitude that these people are like superhuman or superstars, listen, there's nobody in our industry who's actually famous in the, in the <laughs> Ryan Reynolds sort of fame, right? Yeah. There's a few that walk around with a chip on their, on their shoulder. Like they think they are, but the majority they're, just they're sponsored no one, by Jim shark. Yeah. Unless you're walking around the Olympia, like I've walked around at the Olympia with Mike Gizertel and people won't leave. Like they, more people try to talk to Mike Gizertel than like most of the former Olympia champions. And Mike is cool. He'll just he'll just stop and talk to them, right? Mike's Mike's pretty chill. He's funny. He's down to earth. Yeah. But outside of like at the Olympia, like nobody's walking around in public and getting recognized in our world. Outside of like rare occurrences, so like, anybody sensible won't have any ego about it. So guess what? If you happen to be at an event and you see a person you really like their media, go up and say hi to them. And oftentimes too, you'll get people who um, a really good example back in 2017, the first event I went to, I knew that Pete Dupuis was in the lineup. And if you guys are not familiar with Pete, Pete is Eric Cressy's business partner in Cressy Sports Performance. And Pete's a very smart business guy. He's not the trainer, he's the business guy. And I liked his podcast appearances. So, and Pete was sitting quietly by himself at the back of the room. And so I went and sat down with him. I said, hey, you're one of the reasons why I wanted a cub and do this event. So I chatted with him for a while. He became a great friend. To this day, he's a great friend. If I if I text him and go, hey, will you come on the podcast? He'll He'll just drop... It doesn't drop everything, but he'll like, he'll be on the podcast pretty quickly. And, you know, he's just a great dude. Like I, there's another event that I was at in late, no, early 2022. And Chris Duffin was there and everybody, nice. like Chris Duffin, like iconics, like <laughs> one of the strongest powerlifters ever. One, you know, one of the founders of Kabuki strength, you know, the, yeah. the mad scientist, right? You know, he might seem intimidated. He's the sweetest guy. And you know, he, there were several points during the weekend where he's just kind of there by himself. So I go over and just hang out with him a bit. And you have these opportunities, you treat them like normal people, because at the end of the day, if a lot of people are like literally scared to go up and walk, walk up to talk to them, mm -hmm. then they're kind of left to themselves. And I've seen this multiple times. They're kind of like they're, the hot girl that no guy wants to approach. The, the wallflower type 
phenomenon. And I've seen it. I've seen it a fair bit. Now, there's some people that people just line up for, and that's it. Like Lane, people are lining up to talk to him, right? Mm-hmm. Like, as a tell, they're lining up to talk to him. Yeah. But they're real people. And if you go in treating them like, you know, don't, don't do the fad, girl, the fad boy, fad girl like type act too hard, but it just, just be down to earth with them. Treat them like normal people. And it, it doesn't make sense how like, I, my phone is full of the cell numbers of the industries like who's who. And I look at this and I'm still like, this doesn't make any sense. Simply because, you know, I've gotten to know a lot of them through these events. I've, I've supported them. I've found ways to support them. Mm-hmm. And some of them have gotten me involved in some pretty cool projects along the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you never, essentially, you never know what's going to happen out of these conversations that you're having. Even if it's a small talk, it can lead into something much bigger that could potentially kind of catapult your career or whatever your aspirations are as a trainer or coach. Absolutely. And sometimes it can be just one of the, uh, I went to Luca's event in 2017. And so it's the second time I got to hang out with P2P. So reconnected. I met Brett Bartholomew. I met uh, a ton of great people. I met a guy named Sam Pogue, who became a friend of mine, who later on became a, a vice president within True Coach, the online coaching software. And then because I was already writing for T Nation, Sam's like, hey, we want you to come write for True Coach, which was my second writing gig. And that open more doors, right? Just because mm-hmm. of the people you meet. But I also met Adam Bornstein in passing. Now it was a very quick interaction with Adam, but you know, it, it was cool. So much later on, about a got a year ago, Luca reintroduces me and Adam and Adam wanted me to help promote his book. I don't, do I have it here? It's called, you can't screw this up. I'm not sure where it is. Um, anyway, I'm looking behind me and I can't find it. Okay. Uh, anyway, incredible book, really great nutrition mindset book. And so, yeah, I'm pushing on my media. Awesome book. I believe in it. I've been following Adam's stuff, sharing his stuff for long before I met him in person. And then that led to Adam is also Arnold Schwarzenegger's nutrition coach, LeBron James nutrition coach, works with some other <clears throat> super celebrities. Kind of kept that quiet for a long time. And he's also the editor of Arnold Schwarzenegger's email newsletter. And of course, like I'm just there like showing up to support him. He likes my stuff. So he turned around and asked me and Luke each individually to contribute something to Arnold Schwarzenegger's email newsletter. So I've been featured on bloody Arnold Schwarzenegger's newsletter. And it's like, how on earth does that sort of thing happen? But it's because I just showed up to stuff, was nice to someone, then worked hard, developed a reputation as someone who leverages my media and relationships to support other people, which then turned into an invitation to do something cool unconditionally. And then I got an invite to do something that is dream come true for any trainer. Mm-hmm. I didn't plan that. Didn't yeah. ask for it. Yeah. So it's amazing what happens when you just kind of give things out without expectations. Things will usually come back to you in a positive way. So, absolutely if, wonderful. And if you magnify that across, like, I, this is a big mindset I've got, and I'm building a presentation that will contain this this thought. It's, it's build a bank of grace with everybody. Right? Just approach the world, each individual person, and the, the world as a bank of grace. To make deposits into that bank. Don't make a lot of withdrawals. Very, very thoughtful if you do. But just give. Abundance mindset. You know, just a metaphor for abundance mindset. And what I found is the world somehow gives back tenfold what you seem to be able to give to it. Mm-hmm. That's amazing, right? And I think like you're a perfect example of that because before we started recording, you told me you've done over a hundred other podcasts with other kind of podcast hosts. So it's something in that range, and. Yeah, but that also is on the that that's after having done, you know, I'm now up to over six years of podcasting, <laughs> over 300 episodes on the main one. There was like 70 episodes on the other, um, with a ton of guests bringing people on to share and support them, sharing them through my media, and then the podcast invitations started coming 
largely after social media grew and obviously I had the footprint in the writing realm. So, yeah. you know, it's just showing up to support other people first. And it's tricky. Like, you know, if someone listening has a podcast start out with and they message Lane Norton, they're like, hey, will you come on my podcast? Lane's not coming on your podcast. It's not how it works. But you'd be surprised. There are some people, Trish, like Mike Gizertel and Jordan Syatt, like do so many podcasts. Jordan is now pivoted. But for years, he just did all the podcasts. So yeah. there are still big figures in the industry with large followings who are still pretty generous with their time because they understand the value of this type of connection with the person listening. Like, I hope everybody listening goes, I hope there's something valuable here because we end up talking a bit about what I've gotten to do in my career, but I'm trying to impress upon people that it's like, these are things based upon showing up to support other people. And then people just keep wanting to give me stuff to do. And I'm like, okay, cool. That's really cool. It's, if anybody listens to Alex Hormozzi, it, it's, it becomes this thing where you actually do have to make choices about the what you're saying yes to, because you can't say yes to it all. He talks about the, the woman in the red dress. It's a matrix metaphor. And it's like, to, I, I forget I'm getting older. And so like, I'm hoping that anybody listening has actually seen the matrix. If you haven't, my God, please. Right. Turn the uh, podcast off and go watch and come back. Great, great movie. Right. The original, I mean, the, the, the later stuff sort of bleeds down a little bit, but you know, mm -hmm. Keanu, this is Keanu has been around for a while. I, I know Keanu from like Bill and Ted's excellent adventures and from point break. Like those are classics, but or even speed. Like a lot of people found Keanu through speed matrix is probably what really blew him up. I digress. We're side questing here. <laughs> Another Alex Hormozzi euphemism, but he talks about the woman in the red dress and you end up with these more and more attractive opportunities that you actually turn around and have to start saying no to. But anyway, I'm at the point where I still see the value in, and I, I always will. I think you get invited onto a podcast and you know, that's, that's a really cool thing. Like for you, you put hour of time recording, probably you know, maybe somewhere near an hour of like prep conversation, scheduling, um, research, you know, diving into kind of your, your guests resources just to get a, you know, to be able to frame some good questions. And then there's a bunch of other stuff. There's a little bit of post-production, uploading it, writing up the show notes, what have you. So each podcast, you know, if you're efficient, might be three to four hours worth of work out of your week. And if you're doing that weekly and you have one guest per week on average that you could choose, it's a, it's a gift to, for, for you to pick the person you want to have on and everybody listening. I mean, they're an audience that you've grown over time that trust you. So you're entrusting whoever's coming on to not piss off or waste the time of that audience. So mm -hmm. that's the lens I try to look at it through. So if someone's gracious enough to invite me on a podcast, it's like, I'm really going to do everything I can to say yes, as long as the schedule allows it. You mentioned um, Alex Hermoni. Is there any other kind of really kind of influential people in your life that's kind of taught you more about kind of the relationships, the business side of personal training that you can kind of uh, talk there, to us about? There, there are a number of influential figures in my career. So I came up through the World Health System. So within that World Health System, uh, Dean Somerset taught a lot of in-person coaching. Um, in-person education. So Dean's been a fairly substantial role model, wrote for Teenage. And I discovered, all right, there's this guy on Teenage that I'm reading. Oh, he works for this company. Shit. Okay, cool. Uh, so did a lot of stuff with him. Dean was one of our speakers at last year's event. He was one of our original partners in 2019, right? So Dean's a fairly iconic figure in the industry. Very few people have had the influence Jordan Syatt's had on my approach to media, content creation, that sort of stuff. 
I definitely came up through reading a lot of the teenager stuff. So there are figures on TV. Lee Boyce is a very good friend of mine. You know, his writing stuff was influential. Ben Bruno, very influential. Danny Sugar, one of the editors of Teenation, very influential. I uh, got into Lane Norton stuff early when it came to the nutrition side of stuff. So Lane's been a big influence. Got into Mike Isertel and Renaissance Periodization stuff very early. Uh, I love his work, their whole team, Nick Shaw. And Jonathan Goodman stuff. Jonathan has been a big influence just as a business thinker and a, a thought leader for the industry. And and this list goes on. Um, you know, Molly Galbraith, more and more, I've really just liked the nuanced way that Molly approaches a lot of things in the industry. Um, and then Luca Hosevar. I mean, I can't, I can't not mention Luca. Luca's been, Luca's just work ethic and the way that he's broken the mold from, because I, I started with the mold of the in-person big bucks training model. Mm -hmm. And then I really was immersed in the T Nation writer, strength and conditioning coach, and the way that they built brand and, and media. And then Luca shatters a lot of that stuff with everything that he does and what he's involved in. You watch his trajectory just grow and, and the way he approaches relationships. Mm -hmm. and, he's be, and, and many of that list have become very good friends of mine through my travels, but also just supporting them so much. And they recognize that. Mm -hmm. um, and not for want of anything from them. It's just they turn around and recognize, all right, this, this is someone who's been supporting me unconditionally. I want to involve them in, in things. like That's the theme here. It's like you show up, you support other people. And as you said it, it you're not looking at, all right, what am I getting in return from this? Right? What is my ROI on this effort? And having an emotional attachment to an outcome based on your individual actions. It's the person who posts on social media three days in a row, doesn't notice much traction, gets frustrated. Well, no one's liking my stuff. They quit. What's that? That's the client that gets discouraged. Well, I've been eating clean for two weeks. The scale hasn't dropped. This is pointless. I'm going back to the couch. I'm quitting the gym. I'm going to go back and eating crushing chips and, <laughs> and ice cream, right? And beer. And, yeah. and failing to recognize that they weren't stable in their body weight. They've been gradually gaining weight the whole time. And there's mm -hmm. still some changes to make, right? So coaches do the same shit that they talk to their clients about. They get discouraged very quickly when they don't notice big results from you know, some stuff that you actually just have to apply consistently over a very long time horizon. And I think I've, I heard you speak about this before. It's like, it's not necessarily about the number of followers either. It's about the quality of the followers. So you can still have mm. 500, a thousand, you can still make a significant impact in people's lives um, by yeah. putting out weekly content. And I think fundamentally any coach should be looking at, right. How do I create something that's valuable to, the person in front of me. You're trying to create social currency. If you want to fuck around with social media at all, understand this concept, right? You're creating social currency. Think about that friend who sends you cat memes or train gym fail memes or whatever, right? And to that person, when they see this meme, they think of you, right? So that's that's a cool thing. So that's a person who thinks of you, you're important to them. And they found some social currency that they're going, hey, I think this would be valuable to you. I think you'd think this is funny. I think you'd think this is educational. I think you'd think this is motivational. Mm -hmm. So those things are social currency. So think about this and go, all right, well, how do I create social currency that people will comment on, share with their friends, save it for themselves, and, and just simply like it because they like what you're doing. And you just mm -hmm. continue to do that. And you'll learn from the process. Some of your things won't hit very well. Mm -hmm. but even if what you've created helps one or two people that particular day, you've done something good. And then if you turn around and you're very engaged in your messages, right? I send a lot of voice messages. Uh, I find that very efficient and people are often surprised. It's like, no, <laughs> even at my scale, I think you're wasting tremendous opportunity if you're not responding to everything. There are certain people like, I was at the Olympia with Brett Contreras and 
and Paul Ravella. And when we were talking about this and Brett just declared bankruptcy on trying to respond to messages, you know, Brett's very popular figure, especially within like women's glute training. Mm-hmm. And he's got like 1.2 million followers. And it just hit a point where it just, it's impossible for him to do it. Yeah. And I get that, but you know, you get these coaches with under 10,000 followers and they're stressed out at the idea of trying to respond to someone who sends a genuine question and a message within like 36 hours. It's like, I'll give you guys an example. Like this is something that like, if you're a coach and you're getting all, and I'm going to be harsh here, this rubbish, this absolute rush rubbish about, you know, your, your boundaries and you being stressed out or your mental health on <laughs> stuff like that, that stuff is real in this context. It's rubbish. If it's used as a justification, not to be responsive to people. Okay. And I'm not talking about instantaneous, Oh, there's a ding in the middle of the night, wake up, like risk text that person. No, no, no. Right. Not that shit. Phone on silent. Okay. Out of the room. But if it takes you a day and a half to respond to someone who decided you're the first person they wanted to ask this question of on Instagram because they like your stuff, you're an idiot. Okay. Uh, if you are failing to have warm, engaged interactions with people who are literally asking you questions, you're missing out on building a relationship that may turn into someone going, and this has happened to me lots of times. Hey, you know, I want to, I want to talk to you about coaching. Like they like you the most. You're the person whose philosophy and knowledge resonates most of them. You're responsive, you're kind, you're engaged. And if you're doing that, you know, for a random stranger on the internet, what are you going to be like as their coach? Is the message you're sending these people. Mm-hmm. This is probably yeah. where we should have started. Anybody who's stuck around for this, <laughs> going, all right, this is the good stuff. But you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, a client of mine, uh, before he was a client, he sent me an email. This would have been four or five years ago at Evolve. Mm-hmm. At, he had switched to our Evolve location from a different one. He looked on the wall and he found two coaches that he thought might have been a good fit for him based on our, our bios. So he, he emailed me and he emailed the other coach. I responded, if I remember correctly, it was probably within an hour, two hours max. Um, we had booked a sit-down consultation for the next day and he started his training the following day. On the third day, the other coach responded to his email. Right? Mm-hmm. That client became a four-time-a-week client for years. And eventually became so independent. I was always trying to get him independent. He led down to one time a week and he's now inactive, but he's done hundreds of sessions with me. And that other coach moved away. And it's just like, it's a perfect example of what's wrong with this mindset of, I I see, and again, it's a generational thing. I'm a little older. So if you're younger, you know, I don't know what it is with, I sound like like Clint Eastwood, get off my lawn. (laughs) But I think, Younger coaches, especially, if you find you're prone to this stuff and you're not responsive DMs, you got to get over yourselves. You really got to get over this rubbish. These are people who literally want to interact with you. You know, this is not boundaries for your mental health. This is like bullshit that's holding you back. It's it's a narrative. It's a post-rationalization for just not doing something that's fundamentally essential to you being successful in your career. Because you know what's really stressful and really bad for your mental health is struggling to find clients. And not getting to do something you love and having to quit the industry that you love and, and take some nine to five job because you think it's more secure when in fact, that's, that's the illusion of security. Mm-hmm. So forgive the bluntness, but I kind of hope this like hits home a little bit. Um, but I, I think it's very easy to be reasonably responsive to people, to be thoughtful in your responses. And you do that consistently enough over time, even with a following that's a bit on the smaller side, you can, you can absolutely have a great uh, business office. And to your original point about 
you don't need the big following. I think one of the problems is people want the big following for the wrong reason. I, I think you can do incredible things with a larger following. It's very high leverage. And trust me, it has opened incredible doors. It's been very valuable to me, the way I've approached it. But uh, I think a lot of coaches think that a large following is going to solve their business problems. No, you need to get into your business to figure out why you're not busy in the first place. I was full-time busy before I even worried about social media, at least mm -hmm. Instagram. I, I was very active on Facebook and I wanted to keep top of mind awareness. I think this is important is you're trying to stay top of mind aware to everybody in your network. So that way, even the people you think you're annoying because, oh, you're the, you're the trainers talking about fitness stuff and they're interested in poker or hockey or whatever else. There comes a point where someone in their world or they themselves have that bit of a scare or that flip and they're like, they walk up the stairs, they feel like shit. Like, I got to change. Well, I got to reach out to Andrew. Andrew's the one who, you know, does this stuff at a very high level professionally. He's the one who's always posting about this. And I've gotten many dozens of messages like that across, you know, 13 years from people that I knew from some other walk of life who I never even noticed was interacting with any of my media up until the point they sent me that message or they sent me a referral from someone in their world. Mm -hmm. So that was just because I stayed top of mind because I was consistently present, showing up to support, serve, as opposed to always asking, hey, business, 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 come train with me, come train with me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It reminds me of a podcast I listened to a couple of weeks ago on, I think it's RX Radio with Kyle Baxter. He was just talking about online businesses and then online businesses and just a matter of showing up every day to work just like you would any other job so a lot of people that have online business businesses they're not actually showing up on a daily basis to kind of present themselves show themselves to the audience so that the person can, can get familiar with them so if you kind of just have that mindset hey i'm going to show up every day monday to friday people will get to know me one day eventually if they do have that scare they want to kind of change their health they're going to be more likely to reach out to you versus someone else who's not showing up consistently that's exactly it. Yeah. And just one more thought about, you know, the, the large following side of stuff. I really do think that coaches are motivated to grow following for one of the wrong reasons. I think a lot of coaches do crave status. They look at some of the figures in the industry who they look up to and they, they crave what they think life is like there. They crave the, re the recognition. And it, listen, it's okay to want recognition. But ask yourself, like, does that, is that really going to make your business successful? Or is that kind of an ego feeding thing? And I would look at the people who are the credible authorities, the people who built following because people showed up because they wanted to be plugged in with them or who were savvy with their media. Listen, a lot of influencers followings are fake or built off of engagement pod behavior or just a lot of other rubbish. Like, so don't fall for that stuff. It's not even hard to tell, right? Mm -hmm. If someone's got a hundred thousand followers and gets 30 likes per post across all their posts, guess what? Those followers aren't real. <laughs> if they bought them, it's fake. Yeah. Okay. So don't like do the comparison game to a vanity metric that, you know, actually has been falsified by some of these people. And it's, it's not everybody, but it, it, it's, it's not rare. It's prevalent. It's not, most of the credible figures in the industry are fine. Right? Every once in a while, one of them who's a bit old school will turn around and like buy followers just to look like they're more famous than they actually are. It's just because they never rode the social media wave. And I look at that and I'm like, uh, not a big fan of that. Right? Feels, but, I mean, a little, they, feels a little dirty. Yeah. Some of the old school business coaches do this stuff and they, mm -hmm. I mean, they're credible in their own space anyway. It's like, I don't know why you're doing that for social media. Mm -hmm. Get really clear on yourself and go, all right, what, why, why do you want this? Why are you in a rush to, to have this sort of recognition? Well, here's the pathway. Do great work for the people in front of you. Document it in a way that 
being present on social media, turn around and figure out, all right, what's a long form type of media that you can build that creates more beneficial resources. Podcasting's not bad. It's actually pretty good. I mean, on the high end, you know, you get your Tim Ferriss's and your Rogan's, sure. But I tend to think that very, very few people have become, Chris Williamson, Modern Wisdom might be the exception. Mm-hmm. At where he's probably first and foremost kind of famous for his podcast. Whereas all the other people in the fitness industry who have successful podcasts, most of them have done other really credible stuff with their business or media. But if you get really good at article writing, you know, don't write a book just for clout, but you know, a lot of successful figures have written books or they've built really successful businesses. Right? Again, I mentioned Luca Hosovar and, and Luca having his uh, Vigor Ground gym. And then mm-hmm. some of the other stuff he's involved in are Mike Gizertel and Nick Shaw with having built Renaissance periodization, Molly Galbraith, Girls Gone Strong. Um, and then there's a, there was a bunch of women involved in that, but Molly's the figurehead, of course, or John Berardi with Precision Nutrition. These are people you've heard of and they built mm-hmm. pretty successful stuff. Mm-hmm. And so if you just put your head down and you serve people and you build and you build and you figure out how to do that and you document, you create resources that help other people and you show up and you build relationships and over time, those things can compound. And then the following and the other, um, the word I said earlier, I apologize, it's slipping, you know, the accomplishments, you know, the, the, the attention from people will be a byproduct of having done all those things well versus forcing it and then trying to get people to go, well, hey, I'm an authority. Look at my big social media following. Now give me stuff, give me opportunities. It doesn't work that way. No. Well, you look at like, superstars and people that have massive followings something like britney spears kim kardashian it seems like the more famous you get like the ego grows and for a lot of people it can be kind of problematic for themselves so like it's not you need to be almost like a certain type of individual to be able to sustain that kind of higher social status without kind of going off off the handles and that just might require a more of a holistic approach to achieving that rather than just like you said buying followers trying to like stir up controversy doing things in a way that might go against your morals or ethics there's a couple things there it's actually kind of fascinating so the first thing is use the example of britney spears is a very very rare tier of superstar and i would put elvis presley michael jackson Britney Spears and a handful of other people in that space. Uh, there are other super celebrities, you know, The Rock, Tom Cruise, what have you. The Rock seems to fundamentally be grounded. And, you know, we don't know everything about these people, but sometimes, like, if you're a complete piece of shit, sooner or later it's going to radiate through somehow or other. And The Rock just se- seems to be a nice guy. So we're going to come back to that because there's a related point, the second point I'm going to make. But if you, no one in the fitness industry is ever going to achieve this level of superstardom where you can't walk anywhere in the world outside of like, you know, the jungles of South America or, or Africa where someone isn't going to recognize you. And then all of a sudden that level of super fame is so isolating that no person you'll ever meet again will ever, you know, not recognize who you are or not have some sort of agenda, your interaction. You're never going to have an authentic human interaction ever again, which my theory is it's probably what made Elvis crazy in his later days and, El- and, and Michael Jackson crazy. And I mean, go, go poor Brittany, just go and watch her videos of her dancing on her Instagram. You decide for yourself. There, there's something going on there. Right. And I don't like judging, but Holy shit, like dancing with knives and just like the look in her eyes. Like, oh, go. If you haven't seen this stuff, just do it for yourself. You'll know what I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. So let's put that in, in a pin in that because that that's so rare. It's not even a concern. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me bring back the second thought. I think that it's it's like anything. Like 
fame, money, um, status, that sort of stuff, will just magnify who you fundamentally are. If you're a really nice down-to-earth person, chances are you're going to be, when you have those additional resources, you might be a bit more eccentric. I, I think you get to the point where like your eccentricities can come to the surface without you like really suffering serious consequences. You look at someone like Kanye West. Now he tipped over an inch and I think Kanye is fundamentally nuts too, but you know, and he's done some, like I have no tolerance for anti-Semitism at all. Like some of the crap he was getting on with and he did lose his sneaker deal, but somehow Kanye, people still enjoy his music despite his, his erratic and, and sometimes really problematic behavior. Uh, but, but I think fundamentally it was probably who Kanye always was. Right. So mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think that, you know, this sort of stuff corrupts good people. I think sometimes what we end up seeing, and, and I'm going to be very careful, I don't like talking about politics, but I will talk about a phenomenon. I think the media circus and social media, just sheer viciousness that all politicians tend to have to deal with means that a lot of these good nuanced, thoughtful, and very, very qualified people who would do it for the right reasons would never seek out that circus. So what does that leave us with? Very narcissistic, uh, power-hungry, attention-seeking people who tend to be the ones who gravitate towards the top levels of, of politics. And I'm a Canadian here, right? I'm a Western Canadian, so I won't <laughs> say names, but I'm definitely alluding to a certain politician that we have in, in Canada who I think most people are pretty done with now. Uh, I think that's safe ground. But we see it in the U.S. We see it all over the place. And if you just look at it through that lens, you understand, okay, what's the type of personality that sometimes is seeking this out more aggressively? So anyway, that I think that kind of covers what I think can go wrong. And and then you get, it's survivorship bias. It's like the, the examples of the people who've achieved that sort of thing sort of proves the rule as to what happens. And I think the relationship's inverse. I simply think that, you know, some of these fundamental issues are ultimately there and they just get magnified a lot by the the limelight that these people sometimes end up in. But our mm -hmm. fitness industry can be a slight mi microcosm of it, but on a very, very diminished scale. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, I want to be respectful of your time and I know you have a client coming up here. So let's wrap things up here. I want to say thank you for your time. Really appreciate it. Um, where can people learn more about you if they're not following you already? Give us some information. Um, all roads go through Instagram at Andrew Coates Fitness. I'm easy to find. I'll respond to all messages. Uh, so please shoot me a message if you have more questions about anything or if you've heard this, just shoot me a message. I'd love to hear from you. Mm -hmm. And I mean, my website, www.andrewcoatsfitness.com. I post the articles that I get published up there. Um, and, you know, other things like if I'm, have, if I'm speaking at something or if my own event, I'll just post it all on social media anyway. You'll be able to find it there. So, or just ask me, okay. I'm like I said, I respond to everything and I'm pretty timely. How many messages a day do you get on average? Um, I wouldn't be shocked if it's over a hundred on Instagram, which is really not that crazy when you think about it. It doesn't take much to, to give a, a quick thoughtful response to stuff. If, mm -hmm. you know, like I'll sit down in the gym, like you get these people who are like, Oh, you know, you're on your phone. You know, people complain about people on their phones between sets. Yeah. If you're taking 10 minutes on a machine, that's stupid. But you know, I, I will respond to stuff. I'll respond to comments in between sets in my workout. I, I like taking a little bit more rest between my sets so that way I feel fresh, so my joints feel good. Mm -hmm. And Just being more you know, efficient. This, this judgmental shit. It's like there's a science behind, you know, rest anyway. It's like, what, what do you do? Like, 
let me, let's cut the shit. If Arnold and all the boys had, you know, cell phones in the way that they are now back in the seventies when they're training, they'd be using their cell phones. Okay. They'd be listening to music on their cell phones. Don't, don't mm -hmm. kid yourself. Okay. There's yeah, a different time. Sure. But they just didn't have access to that stuff. Yeah. And, and likely the results would be exactly the same too. So they would still be the freaks. They would still be the icons. Absolutely. Well, yep. thanks, Andrew. Uh, again, thank you for your time and um, hope to see you Matt, in the future. It. Thank you, Matt. I really appreciate this. Anytime. Yep. Thanks for tuning in to the Fitness Snobs podcast. If you enjoyed our discussion, hit subscribe for more. Share with your fitness crew and help us grow by leaving a review. Stay fit, stay curious. This is Matt Flynn signing off.